All right, good morning. My name is Andy Smith. I'm one of the uh, elders here. Did you miss me over the summer? Yeah, yeah, you did, didn't you? Yeah, it's been, oh, we had a wonderful summer of like special services, exhortations, but we didn't get to preach for a while, so it's good to be back. Uh, we're just doing a, two, a series of one-offs, two. Is that a two-offs? I don't know, but we're doing two single uh, sort of uh, preaches over the next couple of weeks as we get ready to move location, as we get ready to move into a new place, but also a new season. So we've got three more Sundays here which is quite a thing. We've got two where we'll be doing these sort of encouragement, encouragements around vision. And then we've got baptisms, which is always fantastic, where we'll be talking about transformed lives. And then after that, we will, on that Sunday, after baptisms, we will be moving to this new place. Before I even start to, uh, to preach, let me say that today I'm preaching from an unusual position for a preacher in that I'm going to talk about something we're really good at, we're really strong at something that we're great at, and just an encouragement within celebration to actually go further as we move into a new season. Often preachers like come up and they address an issue, and they come up and they do the tithing when you're thinking, bank account must be running a bit thin. You know, they're kind of that moment when you're thinking, this is definitely something they've been talking about, and it's an issue, and they're, they're preaching off the back of that. Well, that's not what's going to be doing today. This is not about an area of crisis. This is an area of something we're actually good at. And when we just celebrated it in a way that I want to really encourage us in as part of our vision going forward. So um, it's important to know that church's mission and their visions that they have, they need to last. You know, I don't I wouldn't want to be in a company where every sort of six months they said, we just changed our vision and we've got this new mission and we keep moving and switching. And there's this desperate thing these days to make everything new, like it lasts three months, six months, and then we're all bored, so let's have a new vision and a new, well, that does, we shouldn't be doing that as a church. We should listen to God, ask him what our mission is, Ask him what the vision is. The mission is where we're going. That's where we want to end up. The vision is what we see at the moment about that journey there. And it's always underpinned by these values. You've just heard one today, one of our values, which is honoring people. So what is the, the mission of this church? What is God calling us to long term? Where are we going? And we talked about this a while ago. Our mission, we feel, is to be a church that puts Christ first, that is focused on transforming lives and building community. If you said, what does it look like when you've reached the end of your mission? It would be that we are a church that clearly put Christ first. We have transformed lives and we have built a community. That's where we're going. And the vision we see along the way, and we just used 2020 in every possible way to manipulate the numbers, but we said we wanted to be a church of 250 giving hope to 5,000. So today, I'm wanting you to listen. Then I want you to reflect and I want you to respond. So we're going to build some response time into the end. To get ready for that, there's a time to just think. Often we're like, done, good. If you want prayer, come forward. Otherwise, go for coffee. No, not today. We're going to stop. We're going to reflect. And I pray in God, and by the Spirit, he's going, to, he's going to move you to respond, reflect, change something. Otherwise, what am I here for? You can watch a TED Talk better than me. What am I here for? I'm here to help something change. And how you see your part in this mission, mission and this vision. So being a church of 250, serving 5,000, that sounds a little bit mathematical. But the idea was we wanted to grow. We wanted to grow into a, into a church of something like twice the size we were. We could see that because we wanted to be able to, to bless more. Not that we're egotistical about numbers. I said to someone yesterday, I don't want to be in a church of 300. If we were 250, we'd be planting out. 
I love community in church. I find it very difficult in churches that are anything bigger than a, a couple of hundred. You can imagine right now I'm struggling to, to get relationships going with many of you that I'd love to. That would be horrendous if it was a thousand. I don't know how it would work. I'm not decrying mega churches. It's just not what I feel we're called to. It was all wrapped up in that kind of 2020 idea. We used the 20 number so many times. 5,000 isn't the limit. It's just to give you a number to work with, something to, to sort of think about, something of the vision we're seeing. We want to see significant, that's, that sort of significant impact. Now, that vision requires some things to start to happen. One of them is three weeks away. This is the one that's three weeks away. That is a big place. We were there at a technical rehearsal on Thursday where we just got in there. That's, you see the band, the worship team, uh, James Brown, who's always there, and others just looking at this. This, is, this seat's 240, I think, plus seating at the front, 300. We can have our Christmas service there. This is not just a building that happened to pop up. If you believe that, you don't understand how I feel about God's sovereign plan. This is the building he wanted to give us for this vision to be a church of 250, serving 5,000. The day we were praying about it as elders with uh, Dave Stroughton who leads Harrow Church who comes and helps us as a team, he said, why don't you look, it was not available. We knew the school was being rebuilt, Westfield, but we, the academy building, the actual building, just wasn't available to book. There was no, the online thing didn't work, it wasn't set up, we were like, we we're getting, he said, why don't you look now as we finished praying. That morning, it came online. That morning, we phoned Lorraine, book it for a year. She booked it for a year, in an hour we had it. We went to see it. They're like amazing people. They're so welcoming for us to be there. They said, there's one church coming in this place, and it's you. You can have the whole left-hand side of the building. It'll just be you. That always happens, doesn't it? The building you want, the size you want, brand new. We went in and plugged into the sound system, didn't we, Gareth? We were like, oh, Hallelujah. <laughs> No more speakers, to, no more wiring up our own stuff. Turn up, plug in and just praise Jesus. This is God's provision. I'm not going to labor on it too much. It's not, but it's not just a new place to meet. It's a stepping stone in the vision. Now, in order to get ready to move there, there's something I want to just push, build deeper into our DNA. A greater level. So when we land at Westfield, 1st of October, we land in the community of West Watford. I want us to be ready to make a difference. <coughs> To make a difference. So I said, I'm celebrating something we do, but I want us to see if we can just push it into a new level of increase by the power of God. I want us to start building community there, not just so that we serve West Watford, because we don't all live there, but many do, praise God. But that's going to be our base. I want to build it there, build it into us, so that wherever we are, at work, at school, in our friendships, in our social circles, we're people that feel like part of our role is to build a community to serve and to love one another, wherever we mingle with people. If we're determined to build community in that new home, we can build community in our workplaces. We'd become builders. So, how do you build community? There's many ways to do it. I'm not saying there's one way, but one of the most significant things is one of our values. How do you build community inside the church in a way that builds community outside the church becomes a habit, habitual thing that we're doing in here for one another that we start to do outside? It's one of our values. It's the value, and you heard it mentioned in, a, in another way. We had honoring, but one of them is service. 
Building a culture of service, we imitate Jesus, who took on the nature of a servant, choosing to surrender our lives as instruments to God for him to use as he sees fit, placing his will above our own and building community by serving others. Service is fundamental to the life of the church. It's fundamental to the life of any disciple of Jesus. The great commission from Jesus was to go and make disciples, to go and make followers of Jesus, people who look to him, who try and understand him. That's what a follower does, to imitate him. So we want to take this principle of of imitating Jesus centrally, because it's actually in our name. Our name is Christ first. It's in our new logo. You're going to see more and more of that soon. We kind of up the Christ first and, and played down the X1 because we don't want to be called X1 all the time, even though I love the name X1. God gave it to me in a vision and we said that's, we were talking about Xmas and what it actually, the X actually meant. And then Christ first, X1, it all happened at once. And this church is Christ first, it's in our name. We're a Christ-centered church and we love Jesus. We proclaim Jesus. As a preacher, it's my job to proclaim Jesus, not to proclaim life lessons or guides, but to point so clearly to Jesus, the Savior of the world, God with us, the King above all kings. The, the songs we're singing, man, come on. That last one. You know, I'm banging the drums harder than they can be hit because I'm just thinking, yes, 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 you are the glory, you are the kingdom, you are the name above all names. We're Christ first. You walk out of this room thinking about Christ, not thinking about my joke or whatever I wore or, or whether I delivered a good talk. Never come up to me, by the way. Can I ask you a favor? Don't say good talk. I don't want to give you talks. Talks are what you see online. If you say good sermon or good preach, we were doing some studies the last two days. Preaching is really about proclaiming Jesus. It isn't about giving the some talk. It's about proclaiming Literally, I, I had the most difficult two days and the most blessing two days. I was at the academy with a bunch of people, just so you know, there's a few of us going there. Two days of preaching teaching. First day is Phil Moore, who's incredible. Second day, Andrew Wilson. Third day, Andy Smith. Here I am. It's like so intimidating. And I'm thinking my academy colleagues will be sitting there going, that's not what Andrew said you should do. Phil said, mm. you know, you're like, oh my word. But they really, Andrew Wilson kept going, everything is about proclaiming Jesus. The preacher's job is to proclaim Jesus, not make you feel good about being on the team. Proclaiming Jesus. I am going to take hours if I carry on like this. Right, I'm going to keep going. So we look to him, we imitate him. What's better than hearing and seeing what Jesus says about himself? Not me, what I say, but what about what he says? You should be keener than anything else to hear. What does Jesus say about himself? Better than any of your favorite preacher, rather than me trying to tell you about Jesus, the best thing to do is ask him and read about him and see what the Bible says about him and what he said about himself. So let's just do that. Let's look at it. The disciples have been arguing in the lead up to this about who is the greatest among them. And Jesus starts saying, you're behaving just like the world. That's what people normally do, argue who's the greatest. And he gives them a lesson. It's in Matthew 20, 26 to 28. Not so with you, Jesus says. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, just as Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. 
and to give his life for, as a ransom for many. So he's saying to be first among you, to be top of the tree, is to be the one that serves the most. That's what he said about it. And then what he does proves it. He's not just someone who talks Jesus. I love him so much. He does things. You know what the verse is saying. He's going to lay down his life. He'll commit the ultimate act of service. No greater act as anyone, no greater love does anyone have as to lay down their life for another. He's willing to serve his own creation because he's God with us. He's Emmanuel. God created us. He puts himself on this earth and dies for his own creation. Jesus, God with us, he lives the sinless life that we cannot live and dies the death we cannot die. And he's risen again to prove that death is defeated, sin is left behind. We're free from the sin that offends God. This innocent one, sacrificed in our place, dies on the cross cross in order that God's frustration and wrath might be satisfied. And those who believe that's what happened and Jesus is the saviour are able to stand before God on the day of judgment and rather than have to explain your sin away, and this is not, I don't know how it works, but I know that something in me will say, I sinned, I have a debt, but he paid it. I sinned, I have a debt, but he tells me he paid it. Is that correct? And God says, yeah, that's what I said. Whoever believes in him shall inherit eternal life. Yes, he's paid it. Welcome home. Man alive. That's great. That's out, but that's out, that out there in our future. It's a wonderful thing to think about. That's our future. That's our destiny. That's where we're going. It's amazing. But what about now? Well, that's back to what we mean when we say we're followers of Christ. In Ephesians, it says we are to be imitators of God. And so Christ shows us how to imitate God. We can look at him. How does Jesus live? What does he do? How might we imitate him? What are we going to imitate? We're not going to crucify ourselves. Well, maybe there's something in that, but actually there's a lot more that Jesus did that we need to look at. There's far more practical ways that we can imitate Jesus. What did Jesus do? John 13, we hear Jesus, this king, show us what it means to be truly humble and serve in a way that calls everyone to account about their heart attitude. John 13, 13 to 17 says this, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so. It's Jesus talking about himself. For that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now before you ate in these kind of nations, you've been walking through the dirty, dusty desert or whatever, it's common practice to have your feet washed because your feet are visible. I'm sorry, by the way, if you're a bit of a feet person because there's a lot of feet references today, but... Feet were visible. You would sit down low on low tables. You could see people's feet. So in terms of serving, washing dirty feet was one of the lowest serving duties you could think of doing. Jesus did this to shock them out of their complacency and make it 100% clear their role is to become servants to all and to be the first to serve. 
And Peter even protests when he, Jesus says, you need it. Not, I cannot, you cannot wash my feet, Lord. And Jesus is pretty tough with him. He says to him, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. You, he's saying, you don't understand, Peter. Unless you let me do this, you don't get what I'm trying to tell you. He's demonstrating the lowliness of heart and a lack of pride and abundance of humility in service. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, wants to wash my feet, then what is below me? Today we're going to accept Jesus' challenge. And if you're someone who's serving with all you can, I want you to be reassured you're imitating Jesus. Good stuff. If you're not, I pray you're shaped by Jesus. And the Spirit does a work in you that transforms your mind. If you're serving a bit, I pray you're just challenged to step into it more. So as we just transition into the second part of my message, make sure we've got enough time to get back into worship. We should be all right. What are these? Hallux, pointer, middle, ring, and baby. Not fingers. Hallux, pointer, middle, ring, and baby. They're your toes. They're the names of your toes. The truth is only one toe has a real name, the hallux. Which one do we think that one is? Big toe. The others are just given these kind of nominal names. Even one was called middle. Oh, thanks a lot. Baby pinky. Where that came from. Ring? Rings on your toes? Anyway, they're not the lesser known of Santa's reindeer as I thought when I first heard them. Hallux pointer middle ring and baby, that's not reindeer. <laughs> now, you may want to consider the hallux, the big toe. What's the point of it? Without it, balance is extremely difficult. It's actually quite active. I'm standing here, I'm using my big toe to push me up and down, or backwards and forwards. It's going on right now. Sorry for grossing out right now. Try not to picture these things. Why do we have ten toes? Science has no idea. There's theories, but ten seems to be the perfect design to keep us sufficiently balanced to do what we need to do. Too few, you'll fall over. Too many, not sure what will happen. Just big clown shoes. Nail bars will do great business. I've never got that, by the way, nail bar. Why is it a bar? Bars where you get beer. Why is it a nail bar? Why is, it, why, is a, why is a hairdresser not a hair bar or a shoe shop a shoe bar? Why nail bars, nail bars? Leave it alone. It's for beer. Just, just stop it. Just, just saying. Just want to leave it out there. Moving on. Um, toes are apparently insignificant, but they're vital, of vital importance to the body. And you've heard many a preacher talk about what I'm about to read. It's a scripture that we rehear a lot, but I'm probably going to tackle it a bit differently. I'm going to look at it at a very high level, just use a core theme from it. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. I'm using the NIV version. And it's this one. Just as a, as a body, though one, has many parts. But all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. That's basically everybody. And we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is made up of one, of one part but many. Even so, the body is not, sorry, made up of one part but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong in the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, I'd love to see that picture, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? 
But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they, are all one, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That's such a great scripture. That scripture's been worked many times over the year, uh, years, and if you want to study it in the traditional way, you can look over our archives and find us talking about it, I'm sure. Find your favorite preacher, just put in one body many parts, and you'll get some great teaching on that in quite a lot of detail. But I want to look at it from a different angle. I want to cover three ways to foul your body. Three ways in which we might cause the body not to function. So one is to deny your part. Ephesians 2.10 says, we, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm going to spend most of my time on this. I'm going to do the last two quite quickly. But this perhaps is the, the most easy one to grasp. But it's the one I want to encourage us perhaps most in. Denying your part is where you say, I really have nothing to offer. Nothing of value. I have no part to really play. I can't preach. I can't sing. It was a Genesis song once, that one. I have no major gifting. I don't really have anything to offer. Going back to feet. Have you ever kicked the corner of the bed, you know, with your, t- big, with your hallux? Kicked it with your hallux. How much does that hurt? Without drawing blood, I think that might be one of the most painful things you can do to yourself. Just kick that bed corner. So let's journey on that moment. Get out of bed, you're all groggy. Kick that corner full throttle right on that hallux. Just consider the pain for a moment. And on that tape again, same thing, no toenail. Kick that bedpost. That's pain. Nerve endings that your toenail's there to protect are now exposed. The toenail's decided to go where toenails go on holiday and left you alone and you kick that thing and suddenly that protection's gone. The pain would be excruciating. Here's my point. If the toenail has a vital role in the body, then no other part could deny its purpose. We all have a part to play. Here's a bit of the subtext. Come back to that maybe in a bit. One toenail won't be very useful. If we had nine exposed toes, we need ten One serving toenail will not cover the job. So if you see one person serving in an area, or maybe just a couple, where there there should be ten, there's an opportunity there to think about. Maybe I should join that and help build that number up. We sung a song today. It's the second song we did. It's fantastic. It's on Better Is One Day. It actually comes from Psalm 84.10. If you read the full verse, it goes like this. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of of wickedness. I'd rather do anything in the house of God, even stand at the door just peeking in, than go into any other house for anything else. Give me the lower job if it's for your glory and I will do it. 
I'd rather be a steward at Ashburnham than the centre of some party. Praise God for you that served on stewardship at Ashburnham. Well, we were all inside partying for Jesus. I'm not decrying those who have ambitious desires to serve God. Sometimes those ways will be high profile as long as they're God-focused. But like Scripture says, the parts and the roles we consider to be less honourable, we treat with special honour. So today I want to honour someone who I watched at Ashburnham do their part. And I've seen many a Sunday do their part, unseen, unnoticed. Unseen, unnoticed, yet God saw and God notices. Even as an excuse not to do his part. He's got arthritis in both hands, yet he wraps cables. Ashburnham, he washed up after the barbecue with us while everyone else was just doing what they wanted to do. I looked across the campsite on the last day, and there he is, helping people pack away their tents. Kenny, bless you. I don't want to embarrass you. But the body of this church functions better because of you. I get to preach, get to people tell me I did a nice talk. We worship people, get to be in a band. Cool, isn't it? People come up and say things to us. We're seen. You're unseen, just quietly doing what you can. By the way, you were late today, Kenny. <laughs> Why were you late today, Kenny? Exactly. <laughs> what time did you get in, guys? Uh, ten to five. Ten to five. Yeah, that's pretty possible. All right. Oh, you were late. On Street Angels last night. I want to be challenged by Kenny. Kenny takes what he has and uses it. He offers it, he just uses it, and it glorifies God. He doesn't draw any attention to himself. So if you think, I cannot serve because I have nothing to offer, can you drive? Lorraine needs picking up. There's only a few of us doing it. Every week is a bit of a struggle. Can you drive? Tommy and Diana need picking up. There's just two or three toenails covering the job of ten right now. Can you pray? Then we're here at 10 a.m. in the morning. Some people walked in today. I hope you were surprised because we were praying a bit later. There's a group of people here praying at 10 o'clock in the morning. We stop everything to pray. Come and pray with us. Intercede. Walk the building. Pray that God blesses the ground we're on. There's so much you can do. Can you cook? Then there's many in this church that are lonely. They're not even here, some of them, because they're lonely. On their own. They're young. They're old. It's not just... People have got, towards the end of life, there's young people on their own. Once a month, get them to your house. If you don't know who that is, you can ask me. I can give you a few names. Can you look after kids? Can you wrap cables? Could you make tea and coffee, even badly? Don't mind. Can you listen to someone and pray with them? Or just listen to them? We, every one of us has a part to play. Everyone does. You may not want to. Jesus did not want to wash feet. It was not something he looked forward to, but he knew what it showed us and what it meant. So when you come to church, when I come to church, this should be our mantra. I do not come to church to be served, but to serve. I do not live in Watford, Hemel, or wherever you live, to be served, but to serve. I do not work at this place to be served, but to serve. We are not in Westfield and West Watford to be served, but to serve. Jesus is incredible. He is God with us, yet he humbles himself 
And Scripture says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I'm going to get the next two done so we have a chance to reflect and respond. The next one is defy your part. Something similar but different. Another way to offend your body is to know you have a gift, but not to use it to glorify God and to serve the body. This will sting. It stings me too, and it stung me in the past when I bring this through. But I believe by the Holy Spirit's balm, he will get the message past what might sting. Too many people in this church have abilities that seem to be reserved for outside the church. They project manage, they do financial work, they even play musical instruments, they counsel, they coach. All this ability used outside the body. Proverbs 25.14 says this, Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift that he does not give. Know the context. This region of the world where the Bible is written is often dry and arid. They're desperate sometimes to see water. They need it. So a cloud turns up, there's wind, and there's no rain. And it's like you made a noise, you boasted, got me all excited, and then didn't deliver anything. In other words, the proverb is, for us, you say or you know something is there. You have a part to play. You've got a skill, an ability, or a gift, but we don't see it. That might sting, like I said, but I think it's meant to. It came out of the blue as I was prepping, and I was like, ouch. I just sat there waiting, thinking, wow, okay, I'll, I'll do it knowing that that stings me a little bit at times, and there's some things that I've thought about in my past when that's come across me as well, but it gets to the core of something. This is one of those, I wish he didn't say that kind of moments probably, but Jesus did that a lot, saying things we didn't want to hear. Nice get out if I blame Jesus, but he did that a lot. Tell you what you don't want to hear. So here's the challenge. If I grabbed your CV... Your job or your uni application, even if it was written 20, 30, 40 years ago, and I read it, and it did the old, I have these skills, I can do this, I can carry, I can clean, administer, design, care, I can work this software, do this, I have listening skills, I can manage, I can plan, I can run projects, I can wash up, I can teach little kids. I can fulfill every requirement of this role. I'm really good and you should hire me. If I grabbed all those skills declarations of us all and I put them up on the wall, this church would be overrun with talent. Every part of the body requirement would get covered tenfold and some more. We wouldn't know what to do with it all. So I'm asking, where are those CV skills? Are they available to the body? Could you pray about making them available to the body? If our CV is clouds and wind and rain boasting of gifts that we don't give, I need someone to lead organizing the fireworks this year. I've got too much on. We're moving venue. And right in the middle of that is the fireworks, which is one of our biggest events. So whose CV could I pick up and read, that's the person for the job? I can run projects. I could do that. Reflect, pray, and respond. That's just one example. That's what Sarah Smith did. Needs to be done. It was a little bit messy, actually. It was kind of half done. I can do that. I'll do that. Think Sarah had loads of time on her hands? No, she just... It made her a priority and gave us her gift. Third one and last one, despise your part. My final point. If you have a part you can play, there is something I think can plague the modern church and modern society. 
I'm not accusing, I'm just saying watch out for this. Because I do think, I want to remind you just in a moment of like, oh, he just stung me a bit. This is something we're good at, guys. I'm just saying we could do more. This is something we could excel at. So let's just keep pressing it into our DNA and celebrating what we're good at. But in our culture, there's always this desire that, I got this, but I want that. There's something better I should be doing. This isn't, I want to, there's this, this thing now about everything I should be able to have that. I should be able to get that. And that returns to that scripture again, maybe from a different angle. The bit that says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I was speaking to someone yesterday and she made an amazing point about an area that she was serving in and she kind of had enough of it. I've been doing this for a while. I'm really, this is not, I don't really, I've had enough of it. Bit of a drudge. It's not a lofty role. It's one of those kind of in the feet washing territory. Really unseen. And she told me she was praying and she felt God asked this. This was profound for me. Why are you doing it? And she said, well, because I love, and I'll say that I'll make up a name, I love Mary, the person that she was serving. She said, because I love, I love Mary. That's a good answer, right? That's a good answer, I think. I serve Mary because I love Mary. Don't like it, don't enjoy what I'm doing, but I serve Mary because I love Mary. That would work well. I serve you because I love you. That sounds good. We could write a song about that. That would that could work quite well. Then she said this truly, truly powerful and profound thing that made me stop and think, and I went off to prepare my preach in the middle of the... And it, like, I just couldn't stop thinking about it for a moment. She felt God responded. That's not enough, that you love Mary. It's like, huh? I thought that was a great answer. And here's what she felt God say. Don't do it because you love Mary. Do it because you love me. Don't serve because you love, or maybe you don't love the people. Serve because you love God. And here's what I want to end with. It's a scripture from 1 John 4, 7 to 12. There we go. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest amongst us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent us his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we Sorry, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And then this, we love, we serve because he first loved and he first served us. I love you because I love him and he loves you. Leading a church is tough. You know, if I sort of kept saying, you know, as long as I feel like, you know, this is a good lovey thing going on, we'd be, I, I would not be doing it. There's some really tough days. There's some days when I'm thinking, oh man, I don't get paid for this, I have another job. You know, it's like, oh, but I love you, God. There's other times where it's just an absolute joy to serve within you. I'm thinking, I'll just ride that wave for as long as it runs. We get, do you want to come up and let's get ready to worship again? I want to close with this and some thoughts. At Ashburnham this year, Ashburnham, if you don't know what that is, it's kind of our Jesus camp. We will go away for a while and get intense and 
go to lots of meetings. That's what it was, it's a three-day thing. And Jane and I, my wife and I, were serving in the shop. We kind of did the shop for like provisions. And a, the coordinating team were next to us, and a lady from that coordinating team said to me, where are you from? And I said, oh, Christ first Watford, we're, we're X1, we're that church. And we'd only recently joined New Ground, which has Ashburnham. And she said this, wow, Watford, your guys are from Watford. You guys punch way above your weight. You seem to be serving on every team. Now, whatever way it's right to be proud, man, was I proud. I literally was chest, my church. <laughs> I come from that church that you said punches above its weight. So like I said, I'm not trying to say, oh, we need to sort this out. I'm saying we do this well, but let's make it the thing that really makes us stand out. If she noticed, why don't West Watford notice the moment we arrive? Why doesn't Watford notice now? I don't know. But we're going into a community where we could land, hit the floor running, serve, and they go, man, you guys punch above your weight. You're only 120 or whatever we're going to be as we get in there. We're going to rattle around in that building. Man, you, you guys make a difference. You punch way above your weight. I want to provoke a response that's not, well, in that case, serving's got covered. I mean, this church doesn't need to do anything because that's far from the truth. I want us to be ready to be that serving church that can serve others so we can be that church of 250 serving 5,000. So we're going to get led now into a song, a time just to reflect. You don't have to sing. You can just listen, reflect, think about it, pray, listen to God, ask him, what can I do right now? Of all those things I mentioned earlier, I don't want to force your hand, but probably when you came in today, you got given one of these. It's like a formal filling day at our church. You don't have to fill it in today. Take it away and pray if you want to, but I'd like you to also think about it. There's some things on here that are actually things that we know we need help with. Tech and setup, children's work, lifts for people to get to church, the X1 Active, which is our kind of let's go out and serve the community, do their gardens, help them paint and decorate when they can't, street angels, take as many of those as we can have. And I've got this other one here that says, anything, just let me know what the gap is. And then there's also a chance just to say, look, I've got these skills. And, and I might, I, there'll be a discussion. If you said, look, I'm a project manager, I'd like to offer it to the body, I wouldn't be like, right, you're doing fireworks. We'd talk. But I'd like to know if you're ready to offer your gift up to the body. I'm challenged regularly every week in my role to see how much am I giving of this to my job to help shell, shell, make more money. That's who I work with. And if these skills are more diverted towards shell and not diverted towards God, then I want to push that balance back again. Because Shell will not say, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray God will. <coughs> so that's what we've got there. There's a blank space just to say, I feel I just want to say this now. I've got this. Talk to me and we'll talk to you. We're not going to rush people, force you into anything. If you're someone who's really struggling in this, thinking my life just does not allow this to happen, and I'm praying the Holy Spirit comes and first he helps you, but then God changes your situation in such a way that he will release something back into the body that you know you could give. Life's complex, I know it. Follow me around for a week, I know life is complex. But God's done a work in me to make me able to serve in a different way. I'd love him to do that for you. I want us to be able to pray with you. So there'll be a prayer team here as well at the end. Why don't we just stand? You don't have to stand, but it'd be good to stand if you can. Let's just listen to the worship, reflect, pray, and I'll kind of close it out in a little bit, but you can stay as long as you like well, an hour, frankly. You don't have to rush off as this is something that's really, I'd love to see us change. All right? Bless you.